We find in the Word of God that Jesus lived the life that we live. He encountered what we encounter. We know that the Scriptures teach that he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. But that can sound pretty ethereal, pretty elusive. What does it mean to be tempted in all points like we are? Well, among other things, it means that Jesus experienced the kinds of things that we experience. This morning, we see that Jesus had to deal with not being appreciated by those who were closest to him. Have you ever felt unappreciated? Have you ever felt that people take you for granted? They don't listen to you. They don't care about your opinion, what you have to say. And it gets especially frustrating with those that are closest to you. Maybe you think the children that you have don't respect you that the way that they, they should. They take for granted your goodness and kindness to them. On the one hand, we should find it rather amazing that those that were closest to Jesus would fail to appreciate who he was, what he said, and what he did. On the other hand, it should not amaze us, for we find out that it is the general rule that people fail to appreciate those that are closest to them. Our key verse this morning comes from Matthew 13, verse 57. They took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. So the theme this morning is that Jesus is an example of a prophet who is not appreciated in his own hometown and in his own household, and as a result, people failed to benefit from Jesus' ministry. We begin by looking at the occasion to benefit from Jesus' ministry. Jesus has ended his parables, verse 53. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. So Jesus left the area of Capernaum, where he had been ministering, and he decides to return to his hometown of Nazareth. Notice verse 54. And coming to his hometown. The word Nazareth does not appear in our text. That's where Jesus is. That is his hometown. But it doesn't refer to Nazareth but rather the hometown, so that we don't miss out on what is central to this passage. And that is that Jesus is ministering in the place where he grew up. It's his hometown. That is essential to the understanding of this passage. Jesus enters the synagogue and begins teaching as he has done everywhere he goes. Notice verse 54. And coming to his hometown, he taught them. He taught them. The them are the people, obviously. The people of Nazareth. The people of his hometown. And he taught them, it says, in their synagogue. Not not simply just the synagogue, but their synagogue. 
The emphasis is, this is his hometown. These are his acquaintances, his friends. This is their synagogue. It is the place where Jesus grew up. Putting it in our vernacular, Jesus went to his home church. Jesus went to his home church to minister. The initial response of the people to Jesus' ministry is that they find his teaching astonishing. Notice verse 54. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished. Astonished. They were amazed. They were just flabbergasted when they heard Jesus teach. That shouldn't surprise us. That is the normal response to people having heard Jesus teach the word of God. It was the response that the crowd had to Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 28 and 29. And when Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. The very same phrase. It was the common response to the many crowds who heard Jesus. Matthew twenty-two thirty-three, 33. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. The exact same phrase, the exact same wording. So it is not unusual that people would be astonished when they hear Jesus teach. We are told more specifically in Matthew that they are astonished because he teaches them not as a scribe, but as one who has authority. A scribe was a student of the law of God. A scribe was a person that was well versed in the scriptures. A scribe was a person who by profession was a copyist of the word of God. You didn't have printing presses, you didn't have photocopies, you didn't have any way of making uh, additional copies of the word of God other than somebody sitting down and writing them out. That was a scribe's position. They spent their day copying the scriptures. They were authorities in the scripture. They knew the scriptures, but they said that he taught the scriptures like no scribe that they'd ever heard. He taught better than the best teachers. And they were astonished. Next, the people of his home synagogue are bewildered. Where did Jesus learn these things and how was he able to do these things? Notice verse 54. And coming to his hometown, he taught them their synagogues, so and they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom? And these mighty works. Where did this man? How does he know these things? And how does he do these things? The thought is, this person of all persons, this Jesus, this Jesus, it was not expected that Jesus would have such wisdom or perform such miracles. It gives us a glimpse into his humble background and upbringing. They never thought 
that this little boy, Jesus, would grow up to be this kind of teacher and perform these kinds of miracles. So let's look at the obstacle to benefiting from Jesus' ministry. That was the opportunity. Here's the obstacle. How does this man know what he knows, and how can he do the things that he does? They knew Jesus, but they did not know Jesus. They knew Jesus, but they did not know Jesus. They were very familiar with Jesus. They knew that his father was Joseph, and they knew what he did. His father was a carpenter. Verse 35, is not this the carpenter's son? And not only was his father a carpenter, but we find out in Mark chapter 6 that Jesus also was a carpenter. Is not the carpenter the son of Mary? So, you know, you don't expect a great scribe to be brought up in the home of a carpenter. He wasn't a religious figure. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He was a carpenter. And Jesus had been a carpenter for the first 30 years of his life. You don't expect a carpenter to end up doing these kinds of things. They knew his mother and siblings. Notice verse 35. Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Verse 56. And are not all his sisters with us? We know that family. And there was nothing impressive about his brothers and sisters. Now I'm going to say more about his brothers in, in just a moment. I don't know what his family was like. I know what Mary was like. We know that she was a godly individual. I don't know what about her brothers and sisters, except we know that the brothers were not believing in Jesus. We'll see that in just a moment. Were they tough? I don't know. Sometimes you can have guilt by association. My brother, growing up, was kind of a wiseacre. Uh, he loved giving people a hard time. And he really enjoyed giving our Spanish teacher a hard time. He'd wise off to her. He'd uh, just be disagreeable. He'd be problematic. And so it got to the place where my brother almost lived in the uh, vice principal's office during Spanish class. Because he constantly got kicked out of, out of Spanish class. <clears throat> I came along, and I decided I was going to take Spanish. I had the, the exact same teacher my brother did. First day of class, I'm sitting in class, minding my own business. The teacher is at the blackboard, writing on the blackboard, and then something happens. I don't know what it was. It was on the other side of the room. Something happened, and there's this uproarious laughter. Everybody starts laughing. The teacher just continues writing on the blackboard, doesn't turn around, doesn't say anything except read, go to the vice principal's office. I got kicked out of Spanish class my very first day. I went down and I saw the vice principal. First time I'd ever been sent to the vice principal's office. He knew me well. He was also our track coach. 
So he looked at me, kind of puzzled, and he said, Cal, why are you here? I said, well, I was kicked out of Spanish. He said, well, why were you kicked out of your Spanish class? I said, I think because my last name is Reed. And, and he just kind of looked at me with this knowing smile, and he didn't say anything else. He said, just sit in the waiting room over here, he said, until your, your period is over, and then go back and join your class in your next, next uh, <coughs> subject. So it was guilt by association. Was it guilt by association? Did Jesus have things to overcome because his brothers or his sisters? I don't know. I don't know. But the point is that the people marveled at his ability. Notice verse 56. Are not all his sisters with us? And then this statement Where then did this man get all these things? It is a repetition of verse 54 verbatim. Where did this man get this wisdom? How does he know these things? There was no denying his ability. They just never thought that Jesus would say and do these things. Furthermore, And here is the surprising part, and that is their response to Jesus, and that is they are turned off by him. Notice verse 57. And they took offense out of him. Not only did they fail to appreciate Jesus, they actually resented him. It is this word for offense is the word that we actually get the English word scandalized from. They were scandalized. They viewed it as a terrible thing that Jesus would be saying and doing these things. They saw it as highly inappropriate and unacceptable. They didn't deny his ability. They just wondered, what right do you have to say these things to us? Where do you come off? You're a carpenter's son. We know who you are. We know your brothers and your sisters. You grew up like we did. How dare you come into the synagogue and start speaking with this kind of authority. What right do you have? And they were offended. They were turned off. They didn't believe. So thirdly, the observation concerning a failure to benefit from Jesus' ministry. Now what we have is a remarkable statement. You see, I can readily understand why they would struggle with Jesus' deity. And we find that elsewhere. In John chapter 6, verse 42, it says, They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, how does, the, how does he now say, I have come down from heaven? How does Jesus say, I came down from heaven? We know where he came from. We know who his mother is. We know who his father is. I can understand how they might struggle with the fact that he is the Son of God. But here, they have a difficulty even accepting Jesus as a prophet. Notice verse 57. They took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own family. 
They even had problems with Jesus as a prophet. And he was widely viewed and accepted as a prophet. But they did not. But now here's the real kicker. Not only did the townspeople not accept Jesus as a prophet, but even his own sisters and brothers did not accept Jesus as a prophet. Look at the end of verse 57. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, and now these words, and in his own household. In his own household. John chapter 7, verse 5, says this, For not even his brothers believed in him. They said, we know his brothers. And his brothers didn't believe that Jesus was a prophet. His brothers didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Now, realize that these are Mary's boys who would have heard of the miraculous birth, who had been taught all these things. But in their resentment of Jesus, they refused to believe in him. Now, guilt by association. Now you can understand, if even his brothers don't believe, then why in the world would the townspeople believe? Listen to these words. Mark chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. When it's uh, referring to those close to Jesus. Then it says, Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. When Jesus went home, And people came to be taught by Jesus. His brothers went out, grabbed a hold of him, and said, he's crazy. He's nuts. Let him alone. Go home. Now, now just imagine that. His own brothers grabbing a hold of him and saying, he's crazy. He's out of his mind. Listen to the things he's saying. Is it any wonder the crowd, the townspeople, did not believe? They were jealous, envious. They did not want to believe. When people are jealous, when people are envious, when they don't like someone, it is easy not to accept the truth. I learned that in an amazing way when I was in high school. When I was in high school, we had a girl, her name was Sherry, and, and Sherry had a magnificent voice. She, she really, really could sing. She was proud, she was arrogant, she knew she could sing, and she was a pain. But she was talented. And unfortunately, nobody liked her very much. We had tryouts for the school musical. It was now the senior year. She's a a senior. And the leads are posted, and the female lead went to Sherry, 
no surprise. She'd been the lead for the last three years prior to that. Well, I was sitting in a study hall, and there were a group of girls sitting there talking among themselves. And I'm just sitting there and listening. And, and the one girl said to another girl, she said, I can't believe that you weren't chosen to be the lead of the musical. You sing so much better than Sherry sings. Now that girl could hardly carry a tune. I mean, most frogs would croak better than this girl. I mean, she didn't have a hope for being the lead to the musical. But they're looking at her and saying, oh, I can't believe you didn't make it. You're so much more talented. It wasn't the truth. But they didn't like Sherry. They resented her. And maybe deep down inside, they convinced themselves, I don't know, that this other girl should have had the part. But there was no way. There was no way. We can become bigoted. We can become upset. And evidently, these brothers resented Jesus. Whatever the case may be. Whatever the case may be. They said, he's nuts. He's nuts. Now, but Jesus was widely accepted as a prophet. Matthew 21, 11. And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. The majority of those in the crowds viewed Jesus as a prophet as evidenced by the Pharisees' fear of arresting Jesus in public. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. Everyone thought that he was a prophet, except his brothers, his sisters, and his hometown's people. And they took offense at him. All too often, people are least appreciated by those who know them the best. What Jesus says of himself, he now applies generally, and that is, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. It's an interesting thought. A prophet is not without honor in his hometown. So the outcome of failing to benefit from Jesus' ministry, verse 58, and he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. The point is the people missed out. They missed out. Jesus did not upbraid them for their lack of faith. Jesus did not seek to prove his value or worth. Jesus simply passes over them. Jesus simply leaves. They did not desire his instruction, so he did not give them any. The sadness is, it says he did not do many miracles among them. They had people that were sick. They had people that were diseased. They had people that were needy. And they refused to come to Jesus. And as a result, they stayed in their sicknesses. They stayed in their diseases. They stayed in their misery. They bit off their own nose to spite their face. Don't miss out on the opportunity 
to recognize what God is doing in the midst and lives of others. The first thing I would say to you is we need to learn to rejoice in what God is doing in the lives of people that are among us. Learning to rejoice in what God is doing in the lives of people that are among us. I just sat and thought about some of the people that God has raised up from our own church that are serving the Lord, most of them in full-time ministries. I think of Ralph Bechtel, Pastor Clyde Bumgarden, Jenny Bechtel, Clay Rebert, Tim Zuck, just came back and ministered to us at uh, Good Friday service. Pastor David Brandt, Sarah Sukielinski, Bruce and Amber Aldhouse are now over in Africa. And we have a slew of young people in our church. Jared Cruz. Jared is going to have the opportunity this summer to be uh, working with us in a, in a paid position. Uh, did a mentoring ship last year. Uh, God is uh, calling him to the pastoral ministry. Uh, Kenny Bechtel wants to serve the Lord in full-time ministry, did a great job uh, at our sunrise service presenting uh, the word of God. Victoria Gaiman, the Lord is working in her life, questions what she's going to do. Sydney Herb is speaking about being involved in missions. Uh, Ben Harmuth this summer is going over uh, to be involved with Push the Rock. And then we have all of the many Uh, elders and deacons and Sunday school teachers that have grown up in the church. Uh, Don't lose sight of what God is doing. Don't fail to rejoice. Don't become little. Don't resent what God is doing in somebody else's family. It's not about competition. It's about It's wonderful what God is doing in the lives of individuals. I had a very interesting turn of events one semester when I was teaching at Biblical Seminary. Many of you know that for a few years uh, I was uh, teaching at Biblical Seminary. And this one particular semester, uh, I had a class of about uh, 27 students And uh, quite frankly, my uh, courses were very well received. I always got uh, good uh, reviews from my students and uh, thankful for that. But but I was well received uh, in my ministry at Biblical Seminary. But this one semester, I had a class of 27 students and I had two students that were on staff at an extremely large church in the area that will remain nameless. But uh, these two guys were on staff at a, as I say, an extremely large church in our area that will remain nameless. And halfway through the semester, and we were having a really good class, we were having a lot of interaction and discussion. Um, I was uh, uh, teaching on uh, uh, the new perspective in Pauline theology, and so, you know, loved the theological banter and, and so on. And these two guys were very active in that whole process. And in the middle of the semester, 
one of the students said to me, uh, what church do you pastor? And I said, I pastor the Bible Fellowship Church in Lebanon. This one guy from this church said, no way. And, and I said, yeah, yeah way. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I pastor the Lebanon Bible Fellowship Church. He said, you pastor that, that little church? I said, that's me. That's what I do. Yep, I pastor that little church in, in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. You know, he was so turned off when he heard where I was from that he just dropped out. Now, he continued the course, but I mean, he just became totally disengaged. He didn't participate in the discussion any longer. He wasn't interested. You could just see him rolling his eyes. He just came to the conclusion, you must have nothing to teach me. I only say that because it happens. It happens. And we need to realize that it happens. Why do we need to realize it? Why is it good to know? For a number of reasons. First, to keep us from being discouraged. To keep us from being discouraged. Maybe you feel unappreciated this morning. Maybe you feel like you've been overlooked. Maybe you feel like you should hold a position in the church and you don't. And you say to yourself, why don't people see certain qualities in me? It's not uncommon for people to overlook individuals in their midst. I say to you, maybe you've become discouraged about sharing your faith. You witness. You say, you know, I've, I've talked to my brother, I've talked to my sister, I've talked to my aunt, I've talked to my uncle, I've talked to my coworkers, I've, I've talked to people that are close to me, and no one has ever come to faith. The people that are hardest to reach are the people that are closest to you. The hardest people to lead to Christ are the people that know you the best. A prophet does not have honor in his own home. So I say to you, don't be discouraged or put off. If your witness has been confined to those that are closest to you, but instead I would challenge you and say, spread out. Talk to people that aren't in your family. Talk to people who aren't your close acquaintances. Talk to other people. You know, it, it's, it's great as young people. Go to Victory Valley. Have a good news club in your home. Invite people that you don't know. Here's an amazing thought. Maybe you should move. Maybe you should get a new job. Maybe you should think about other places where you can minister. It is a general rule that 
a person is without honor in their own hometown and in their own home, but there are exceptions. It's not always the case. 1 Samuel 3.19, it says of Samuel that Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. Everybody could look at Samuel and say, wow, this kid, God's hand is upon him. Eli, the high priest, the one who reared Samuel, could see that. But Eli's sons didn't see it. Eli's sons didn't accept it. Eli's sons didn't go with it. It takes spiritual maturity to rejoice and accept what God is doing in the life of another person. It takes humility. I wonder... Do you recognize the talents, the abilities, the gifts in your own children? As you see them develop, as you see them grow up, are you willing to hear from your own children, to be taught by your own children? It was an interesting day when I became an elder and served on the elder board with my father. And then the church called me as the assistant pastor. And I was there for a period of time, assistant pastor of my home church. My home church couldn't have been nicer to me, couldn't have been more supportive of me. My, my home church was amazing in the opportunities that they gave me, which is one great desire I've had to pass that on in my ministry to the people in our church, because I so appreciate what people did for me. But even in that setting, I remember a number of years ago when the church was out of pastor, they uh, were having some difficulties and they contacted me, the search committee, and said, would you come back and pastor the Blandon Biofellowship Church? I looked at their issues and I said, you know, to myself, you're not the person to take these things on. There were too many people that I knew too well. I was the kid that grew up in the church. And I was really concerned that the elders would have difficulty in taking my leadership even after being in the pastor, pastorate a number of years. It's the reality. It's tough. It's tough. But let us learn from this passage, for it is a rebuke to these individuals. For certainly Jesus was a prophet. He should have been listened to. So let us be on the lookout for those among us whom God is gifting and calling. And let us be sure, first of all, to respect them to acknowledge what God is doing, to rejoicing, to going up to the, our young people and say, you know, I can see that God is going to use you. I see that God is already using you. I see such potential. I, I see such 
opportunities before you. Let's respect them. Number two, let's help them. Let's help them. I'm very, very thankful for this pastoral training fund that we have and, and uh, providing opportunity for uh, people from our church that, that want to pastor in Bio Foster Church to uh, receive help with their seminary education. That's all very good. Let's help them. Let's benefit from them. Let's give them an opportunity to serve. You know, I want to commend you as a congregation because I really think you're unique as a congregation based on this passage. When you think of the number of young people that have come out of this church that are serving the Lord full time and got their start here. It's delight. I rejoice to see young men grow up and become deacons, elders in our church, Sunday school t- teachers, generation after generation. That's the way it should be. That's the right way. We should see what God is doing and be thankful for it, rejoice in it, give God praise, and help these young people on their way. If God is calling you and the church is recognizing your gift and giving you an opportunity to serve, then I say to you, don't take it for granted. Realize how blessed you are. Realize it's not the norm, it's the exception. There is no other Bible Fellowship Church that has a pastoral training fund that helps people from their congregation who wants to go into full-time Christian service. Not one. Most of our churches, it's very hard to break into. And young people aren't given an opportunity to serve. If you're a young person, you're blessed to be in this congregation. Because there are a lot of older people that are just cheering you on. That are just so happy. Not resentful. Not arrogant. Not proud. But grateful for what God is doing. That's the way it should be. May it continue to be. May the Lord raise up people from our midst to honor and serve him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, help us to be a people that are not proud or not arrogant, that are willing to be taught by those younger than us, those that we have seen grow up, those that we ourselves have taught, that we have mentored. Lord, may we allow them to eventually mentor us, teach us, help us. Lord, may we see it as a work of your grace. When we, like the townspeople, are prone to say, Where did this person get this from? Lord, help us to gladly say it's from you. That should have been the response. Wow, look what God has done in Jesus. May we rejoice in what God is doing in the lives of your people. May we not lose out.
May we not fail to benefit. Benefit by rejoicing. Help us to see what you are doing, O God, in our midst, and to give you praise and thanksgiving. May we not lose out on the opportunity to encourage and help those that you are calling and equipping and enabling. And, O Lord, spare us, we pray, and help our young people as they receive the help and encouragement to give you thanks and praise and recognize the blessedness that they have in being able to serve with people that are godly and who care about them. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.